Welcome to Everything Yesterday This Morning, a 15 to 20 minute daily recap of headlines you may have missed. Come for the news, stay for the snarky commentary. Good morning and welcome to Tuesday's edition of Everything Yesterday This Morning. I'm your host, literally Heather. I have to admit, I saw a screenshot of this article and I had to Google it to see if it was real or if it was a photoshopped like fake article. Unfortunately, it's real. (laughs) Conformity of thought is now required, whether it is online, on college campuses, or if you're in California in a physician-patient relationship. Governor Gavin Newsom recently signed California Assembly Bill 2098 making it the first state to attempt to censor what physicians can say about COVID-19 to their patients. This is a dangerous and likely unconstitutional effort that other states must resist. The statute instructs that it shall constitute unprofessional conduct for a physician and surgeon to disseminate misinformation or disinformation related to COVID-19, including false or misleading information regarding the nature and risks of the virus, its prevention and treatment, and the development, safety, and effectiveness of COVID-19 vaccines. California law requires the Medical Board of California to take action up to and including license revocation against any licensed physician charged with unprofessional conduct. But under the First Amendment, content-based speech regulation by government entities is presumptively unconstitutional and may be justified only if the government proves that it is narrowly tailored to serve compelling state interests. The law's definition is, quote, false information that is contradicted by contemporary scientific consensus contrary to the standard of care. This is ridiculous and likely unconstitutionally vague. As the Supreme Court noted, professionals might have a host of good faith disagreements both with each other and with the government on many topics in their respective fields. Physicians who inform their young, healthy patients that the virus poses a minuscule risk of serious illness and death to them is providing truthful information, even though other practitioners or the government might claim that doing so is contrary to the standard of care. Similarly, telling a parent as part of an informed consent discussion that vaccines currently have minimal effectiveness in limiting COVID transmission and small benefits for healthy children, but that they also have incompletely characterized side effects is not false information, even though the standard recommendation is that everyone should be vaccinated. The statute does not specify who is the arbiter of contemporary scientific consensus on COVID. Will it be the CDC, who has routinely changed its guidance over the course of the pandemic? What about Dr. Anthony Fauci, who repeatedly flip-flopped on the effectiveness of masks? It's unfair and likely violates due process to ask practitioners to risk their licenses without telling them who or what will judge their speech. Ultimately, California's law will harm patients 
depriving them of information and undermining trust in their physicians who will be scared to speak their minds. California's new statute is the latest iteration of efforts to enforce conformity of thought and mirrors efforts by government bureaucrats throughout the pandemic to pressure social media companies to censor those who didn't follow the official line. Elon Musk recently created a stir by putting forward a peace plan, which included recommendations for asking people in the occupied areas in eastern Ukraine and Crimea to decide whether they would want to live in Ukraine or Russia. While Ukrainian officials and pro-Ukraine people openly criticized the billionaire, he recently drew praise from MIT professor and machine learning researcher Max Tegmark. The Academian... I'm so sorry, you guys. My allergies are so bad. I ended up having to pop a a cough drop in my mouth because I just almost died about (laughs) two minutes ago. Um, The Academian said in a recent post... There's a one in six chance of an imminent global nuclear war. Sharing the link to the post on Twitter, the professor said that's why he appreciates Musk and others who are urging de-escalation. This is the national security interest of all nations. Replying to Tegmark's tweet, Musk said nuclear war probability is rising rapidly. When Tasmanian reporter Eva Fox probed regarding plans for Sunday by quote tweeting a 2016 tweet by Musk, wherein he said he would prefer to bake on a Sunday morning. Musk said, that feels so long ago, a pleasant memory. I've been up all night trying to think of any possible way to de-escalate this war. Referring to the war, the Tesla correspondent replied that yielding, especially now, will not help the solution, but will only exacerbate the consequences. She also quoted the Latin phrase, Sivis passum parabellum, which suggests that if you want peace, prepare for war. In one of the most bizarre articles I've read in a while, and that's saying something, a senior member of the state Duma, Russia's parliament, said that any U.S. states, United States states, that want to break away from the country and instead join the Russian Federation will be considered. <laughs> The comments come only a week after Russia declared that four regions of Ukraine had become Russian territory. Following referendums that were widely criticized by Ukrainian and Western officials as being a sham. That was the Donetsk and Luhansk um, in eastern Ukraine and Kherson and Zaporizhia in the south. The votes supported the regions changing from Ukrainian to Russian territory. State Duma Deputy Alexander Tolmachev was responding to an online poll, I guess, that showed that some Americans wanted their states to break free from the United States. If Americans vote to secede, some states from the country and express a desire to join Russia, Moscow will consider it, Tolmachev told Russian news site Podmoskovia Segedonia. I have no fucking clue. Oh, shoot. Sorry. The lawmaker said that I've been trying really hard not to cuss, said that the U.S. was beginning to decay and that its ally, the European Union, which has also provided strong military assistance to Ukraine, was bursting at its seams. Tolmachev said this was a result of a failed American foreign policy. Such initiatives are a signal that the citizens of the United States are dissatisfied 
with their leadership and are ready to take extreme measures up to secession if the current policy of America continues. There was also a note that on social media, some 80% of New Hampshire residents said they wanted to break away from the United States. Cynthia Nicoletti, who is a professor of law at the University of Virginia, said that state secession is unconstitutional. States cannot unilaterally secede from the United States. This was established both by the outcome of our Civil War and by the Supreme Court in the 1869 case Texas v. White. Article 1, Section 10 of the Constitution also prohibits states from entering into alliances, treaties, or confederations. I suppose theoretically it's an open question as to whether a state could secede with the consent of Congress or with the consent of other states. There's some throwaway language about the possibility of all states agreeing to allow one state to secede in Lincoln's first inaugural address and in Texas v. White. But even if Russia was proposing that, it's not a realistic scenario. Because that's what we want, to secede from one kleptocracy and trade it for another, said no one ever in the history of the country. U.S. policy states that transgender women who were registered as males when they were born must register for the military draft with the selective service, while transgender men who were recorded as female when they were born do not have to sign up for the draft. The unchanged policy garnered attention when the Selective Service tweeted, Parents, if your son is an only son and the last male in your family to carry the family name, he is still required to register with Secret or Selective Service, Secret Service. The Selective Service System site states that almost all male U.S. citizens and male immigrants who are 18 through 25 are required to register with Selective Service. The site says that all biological males must sign up for the draft, which also applies to U.S. citizens or immigrants who are born male and have changed their gender to female. Individuals who are born female and have changed their gender to male do not have to sign up. My son's a girl now, so we're good, one Twitter user said in response to the post from Selective Service. For the purpose of selective service, my son will now identify as a girl starting with his 18th birthday. Checkmate, fascist. Another account holder said, The Biden administration announced its support for including all citizens in the draft last year. At the time, House and Senate Armed Services Committee agree that the National Defense Authorization Act wouldn't include a requirement for women to sign up for the draft, according to Politico. In a September 21st, 2021 statement, the Biden administration said that it supports Section 513 and the registration requirement for all citizens, which further ensures a military selective system that is fair and just. The government believes in two genders again when it's time to send your kids to die so Lockheed doesn't miss quarterly revenue numbers. Parents, we may still kill your son and end your bloodline and family name for the sake of defending some irrelevant pile of sand in some godforsaken corner of the globe that holds no worth whatsoever to you or your family. That was Matt Walsh who wrote that one. And (laughs) uh, Ramsey Paul said, do you assume we're all biologists? How are we to know what is a son? It is 2022. Read a book and cool it with your transphobic tweets. 
Over 1.2 million credit cards have been distributed via the dark web through a recently launched underground marketplace. As reported by Bleeping Computer, in an effort to attract cyber criminals to its platform, the hackers behind Biden Cash have distributed the details of 1,221,551 credit cards. The illegal carding market, which can be accessed through the dark web, went live during June of 2022. Initially, this specific marketplace started out by leaking thousands of credit cards. However, in order for its services to gain more traction, Biden Cash decided to release details for more than 1.2 million cards in one go. Stealing credit card information and selling it can prove to be lucrative for the individuals behind it, with such sensitive data usually being sold in batches. After all, cyber criminals can use the cards to buy items, extract the cash from the account, or just continue to charge the card itself until the bank realizes the transactions are fraudulent. So what's the motive behind Biden Cash's free giveaway? The answer lies behind DDoS attacks that were targeted to its original domains. As a result, in order for word to get out in regard to the fresh URLs for the service, the hackers are distributing the data free of charge. In addition to a ClearNet domain, they also shared the new URLs through various hacking and carding forums. Security analysts state that most of the 1.2 million cards derive from web skimmers, scripts found within checkout pages of compromised e-commerce sites, which sees any credit card information being entered directly to the threat actors. As previously mentioned, credit card fraud is a massive market for criminals. According to data from Merchant Savvy, global payments fraud has increased from $9.84 billion in 2011 to a staggering $32.39 billion in 2020. <clears throat> Kamala Harris used her first late-night network TV appearance since becoming vice president to reflect on how her life has changed since she got the job, including a shortage of emojis. Oh my God. And to talk it up, talk up the need to vote in the midterm elections. Harris appearing uh, last night on NBC's Late Night with Seth Meyers in a taped appearance promoted Biden administration's efforts to fight climate change, restore abortion rights, and pardon people with federal convictions for marijuana possession, as she urged people to speak with your vote in the midterms. Because those are the three most important things that are really weighing on people's minds. I'm really concerned about the climate. I'm really concerned about killing babies. And I'm really concerned about pardoning people with federal convictions. I'm, I'm not at all concerned about the fact that when I go to the store to purchase food, it's through the fucking roof. I'm not at all concerned about how much it costs me to fill up my gas tank. I'm not at all concerned about any my 401k being completely trashed right now. But please tell me again how I need to be worried about the climate for the upcoming election. Holy bananas. Okay. Sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, nobody should have to go to jail for smoking weed, right? She said, adding that governors and states should follow the president's lead in offering pardons for state convictions. 
Well, my, 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 how the Tigers have learned to change their stripes. Harris oversaw more than 1,900 marijuana convictions in San Francisco, previously unreported records from their DA's office show. Her prosecutors appear to have convicted people on marijuana charges charges at a much higher rate than her predecessor. She actively fought a ballot measure for recreational pot in 2010, co-authoring an opposition argument in the voter guide, and stayed on the sidelines when a second ballot initiative passed in 2016. Harris only publicly came out for legalizing marijuana in May of 2018 after she was considered a presidential contender. Since then, it's become a centerpiece of her plans to reform the criminal justice system. We can't keep repeating the same mistakes of the past. Too many lives have been ruined by these regressive policies. When it came to the fight for legalization, she was nowhere to be found and offered no help. Like a lot of candidates for a lot of offices, she, she's come to Jesus on the issue, but it leaves a really bad taste in your mouth about how sincere or authentic she really is. That is your Tuesday edition of Everything Yesterday This Morning. I hope you guys have a great day, and I will see you tomorrow. If you like today's show, be sure to subscribe and turn on notifications so you never miss an episode. Also, please don't forget to check out shouseinthehouse.com and never forget that free men do not need permission from any government. Have a great day.